Hallelujah. <clears throat> Luke chapter 5, that's where we're going to begin today. Luke chapter 5. Y'all ready? Luke chapter, boy, I'm going to tell you what, if you ain't ready after all that, man, just come on up here, we'll pray for you. Luke chapter 5. Hallelujah. In the spirit of the month of July, we always take off. Uh, we take the month of July as our Sabbath month, so to speak. And we take a little bit of time during December uh, because everybody's got, you know, turkey and Christmas presents on. And it's, uh, it's good. <clears throat> it's good to do that. But the month of July is when we take a Sabbath rest from all the activities that we've, that we've had going on and we, as far as the staff, as far as the ministry staff and the leadership team, we enter into a place of rest and we relax. But it's also a time when, because we're rested, because we're relaxing, the Lord begins to show us and download things for the future. And so in the spirit of that rest for the month of July, I want to talk to you about something that goes along with that. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the, the word that I heard the Lord say, and then we're just going line upon line, precept upon precept. Are you with me? In politics, they have, this, uh, they have this saying. They say money to politics is like water to concrete. It finds every crack and every crevice. The water flows through the path of least resistance. Right? It will flow where it is the least resistance, and it will cut a path. And the Lord, I was talking, and I was fellowshipping with someone, and the word of the Lord came, I'm going to say it like the bold days, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, my spirit will move through the path of least resistance. I'm going to say that again, and then we're going to cut it up. My path, my spirit, the Holy Spirit, I'll say it like this, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, will move through the path of least resistance. How many of you want the flow? Now listen to me. We've got to be real careful the songs that we sing from time to time. I under, I'm going to do a whole bunch of disclaimers before I crack this egg and shoot this cow right here in the middle of the aisle, okay? I understand the premise behind some of the things that we sing. I do. I understand it. But that should never take place. Emotion and good music should never take place of the Word of God. To say, I want more of you, Lord, is that really scriptural? When we say, Lord, I want more of your spirit, I understand what you're saying. I understand what we're saying. We want more of his spirit moving in our life. Okay, well, then let's say that. Lord, I want to allow your spirit to move more in my life, right? You know, singing praise and worship, there's a lot of good songs. They sound great. And I was listening to a song this morning, and, and, she, and this, this girl was singing, and she said, I'm not worthy, but, and I thought, Lord, why do I have a hard time with that? And the Lord, I'm telling you, the Spirit of the Lord said to me, because every time you say that, you're drilling in yourself a consciousness of unworthiness. Because we think it sounds good. Oh, I'm unworthy. Really? What's the Bible say? 
He's made you worthy. Then let's stop saying I'm unworthy. We know that. That's like saying, you know, water is wet. We know that. We know we were unworthy. But what does grace and mercy have to do with worthiness? Not a darn thing. We've been made worthy. And so... When you, when you say, when you, how many of you now saying all that, how many of you want to allow, there's a key word there, the Holy Spirit to flow in your life more? See, there's a difference. I don't want more of the Holy Spirit. How are you going to get more? How are you going to get more wet when you're swimming underwater? You can't. You're soaking wet, dripping wet. You can't get no more wet. You're wet. You have the Holy Spirit. He's been given to you when you were born again. Now, there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Lord knows I don't have time to get into that this morning, but I'm going to say it this way. The Holy Spirit is in you. He resides in you. Stop asking Him for something He's already given. Let us, I'll say us, let us stop asking for things He's already given us. So He's given us the Holy Spirit. But how many of you want, one more time, the flow, how many of you want to become more familiar with the Holy Spirit? And you want the Holy Spirit to flow in your life. Okay, that's going to happen. He's going to take the path of least resistance. Luke chapter 5, you ready? So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gesserit. And saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put it out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. Now, how many of you know when the Bible says a great number? That's a great number. What's a great number? That's a lot. That's a lot. What, what, what is a lot of fish? A lot of fish would be, you know, we're, I love to fish. We're fish. We're, we, we live, we're live, fixing to live on a lake where we can fish all the time, anytime we want. And can't nobody say nothing to me when I want to go fishing. I love to fish. My girls love to fish. We went fishing yesterday. We tossed a few and we were trying to catch it. What is a lot of fish? A lot of fish is, you know, a cooler full. That's a lot of fish. What is a great number of fish? They've fallen out of the back of the truck while we're trying to drive home. A great number of fish. And Simon answered and said, okay, so I let down your net. And when they had done this, verse 6, they caught a great number of fish as their, and their nets was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled up the boats so that they begin to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus saying, Depart from me, I am a sinful man. You ready? Listen, this is that unworthiness we're talking about. O Lord, depart from me, I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. 
And so also was James, John, and sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, he just said, Lord, I ain't worthy of none of this. And he said, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats back to land, they forsook all and followed him. Now, let me tell you what I'm seeing when I, when I started reading this. Number one, this is, what I heard, this is what I heard the Lord say. Number one, stop working so hard to get things done and to make things happen, but rather work hard because there are things that need to get done and things that need to happen. There's a difference. One is a performance mindset. I got to perform. I got to do. I got to get it done. There's things that need, I got to get this done. I got to do it. I got to do it. I got to do it. But the other one is a passion mindset. Man, there's a lot that we got to get done. We got to get rolling. You see the difference? Simon said to Jesus, we've toiled all night. You know what the word toiled mean? Work. They worked to such a degree that they were plumb exhausted. I mean, it's, it, it, don't get me wrong, I like to go fish. But I don't like to go fish and not catch nothing. I could have stayed home in the air conditioning. When I go fish, when we go fish, what we want to do? We want to catch them. We want to catch a mess of fish. We don't want to catch a great number of fish because I don't want to clean all them. I just want to catch a mess. I said, Lord, we've toiled all night. I mean, look at me. I mean, I'm drenched in sweat. I'm hot. I don't feel right. I mean, we've been out there all night long and we ain't caught nothing. And then Simon, because he had some sense about him, said, nevertheless, at your word. And then what happened? Where did the flow of the Spirit come? Came out of obedience, but what did it come through? What did, what did Peter have to do? Let his net down. That was, a whole, that was the least amount of effort and work that he had to do to produce the greatest number of fish in the history probably at that time because they were fishermen. They caught more fish than they've ever caught in their career than anyone else has seen in their career. And it happened when they did the path of least resistance. Human, man, man's desire, the enemy wants us to stand up and go, look what I've done. And God wants us to just be obedient and go, look at what God did. Stop working so hard to perform and just work hard out of passion. We work hard. We should work hard. Hard work, my grandfather used to say hard work never killed anybody. <laughs> I was 13 years old in the watermelon patch trying to save some money for baseball league the next year, and I'm sitting there working with my coach, Coach Reeves, walking me through the watermelon patch, 13 years old. And for some reason, it feels hotter today than it did, you know, 20 years ago. I don't understand that. I was riding around the other day with the windows down. I was like, man, roll them windows up. It's hot. Put the air conditioner on. My first car, I didn't have air conditioner. What in the world did we do, Brother Papa Bill? It's like we melt. He comes and flows through the path of least resistance. So we're out there cutting watermelons all day long. It's hot. 
out there fishing all day, all night long, working, hands hurting, bleeding. And then, listen, this ain't a couple of guys on a bass boat with some brim busters and, and a couple of open-faced reels and sponsors. No, this is the deadliest catch guys. You know what I'm talking about? Those guys that look like they've been drugged through it and got, you know, half their teeth and long beards. These are the kind of guys that were disciples and apostles. I would imagine their language wasn't the best. And Jesus said, let down your nets. All they had to do was let down the nets. The path of least resistance produced in them the greatest harvest of fish that they'd ever seen. Matthew, Luke, and Mark both tell the story of Jesus when he said this, whoever desires to save his life must lose his life for my sake. But whoever loses his life for my sake will gain his life. How many times did Jesus say, whoever desires to be first shall what? Be last. And whoever desires to be last shall be what? See, the kingdom of God works different than the kingdom of the world. We've been performance taught all of our life. You've got to perform, you've got to perform, you've got to perform, you've got to perform, you've got to perform. If you perform good, you get a raise. In the kingdom of God, if you just love God and be obedient, you get a raise. Just because He loves you, He gives you a raise. It's not about your performance. It's about His performance. So now when God comes and gives you a raise, it ain't got nothing to do with you. It's got to do with Him. Say, man, why'd you get a raise? Him. It ain't got nothing to do with me. Him. What would have happened if Peter would have said, look, I love you, and you're my Lord, but I just, I'm tired. What would have happened? We'd have had a different story in the Bible. How many of you want more provision in your life? You want me to tell you how it's going to come? By you stop trying to work at it. That's how it's going to come. Just quit it. Quit trying to make something happen. You know, if you find, uh, Dave Ramsey says this in his uh, Financial Peace University about getting out of debt. Dave Ramsey said one of the greatest things that I've ever heard, and I just love it. He said, if you find yourself in a hole, quit digging. You keep trying to perform. You keep trying to make something happen, and it ain't happening. Guess what? What's it going to hurt if you just stop? It ain't going to hurt you. You're already in the hole. You know, everybody always thinks you're crazy anyway. What's, you might as well not wear yourself out. Stop. Quit working so hard to try to make something happen and just work hard because you want to see things happen. It's passion. Be passionate, but don't try to work it. Zechariah 4.6, the prophet of the Lord Zechariah came to uh, Joshua and uh, Zerubbabel. And he said this, he said, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. In other words, you're not going to rebuild this temple out of sweat. Turn there. Zechariah. Zechariah, just put it up on the screen, because that'll be a hard one for everybody to find. Zechariah, chapter 4. It's right before Malachi. Zechariah, chapter 4, verse... Six, that's what he says. I want to read this because I want you to get this picture. We quote this, but we don't understand it. They're rebuilding the temple. The children of Israel, rebuilding the temple. The Lord 
wants them to. And the prophet came, and it's been hard. It's been rough. We can't get it done. I can't. I don't understand. And the prophet goes, that's because the word of the Lord came to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. Everybody say, my spirit, says the Lord. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. (laughs) Well, pastor, you don't understand. I mean, I got... $25,000 $25,000 worth of debt. Who is it? Well, I, I mean, that ain't nothing. One fleck of the streets that were made, not paved. Right? Ain't that right, Mama Cleveland? I mean, $25,000 ain't nothing to God. It's a lot to us, to some of us. $100 may be a lot to you. It ain't nothing to Whatever it is, you look at it and you see that mountain and you say, oh, Lord, what am I going to do? And the prophet came to him and said, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Let down your nets. God's got a plan. Listen to me. You've been worrying about it and trying to fix it all this time. How's that working out for you? It ain't. So quit digging. The word might means this. It means power. It means wealth. The basic meaning is this. It's force. Mm, Now that brings a whole new light to this. It means force. And is often used to imply a financial influence. What's he saying? He's saying not by force, not by muscle, not by force, and not by financial influence are you going to get this done. Then he says, by power, it refers to all kinds of social, political, and economic forces or general, physical, and intellectual capacity and determination. So what's he saying? Not by your muscles, not by you trying to force it to happen, not by your intellect, not by what the world's political system is dictating to us at this moment, not by any of that, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord, when you walk into a building, the Spirit of the Lord live in you? Guess what? When you walk into a building, you just change the atmosphere. Okay? Thank you for those three amens. I'm going to come over this side. Y'all talk to them and get them to... When you walk into an atmosphere, the Holy Spirit, the very Zoe life and power of God just walked into that gas station. You change the atmosphere. See, with that kind of expectation, now you can go into somebody's house that's sick and that sickness has to leave for a little while. And they go, oh, don't leave. And then you go, you want to be healed? With that kind of influence, what can you and I do in this society now when you invite people over to eat at your house? When people come to my house, that's my house. Right, amen? You know what I'm talking about. That's my house. What does that mean? That means if you got oppression on you, it's got to leave. You don't even know why, but when you come into my house, our house, you're going to have peace. And if there ain't no peace, I will stand up and establish peace. And she will stand up and establish peace. Two things are going to happen when you come hang out with us. 
Number one, we're going to have a good time. And number two, you're going to eat good. Peace, three. Peace always comes along with a good time. Zechariah challenged his contemporaries and he challenges us to complete the task God has given us. This entails repentance for neglecting the building up of the house of God under the new covenant. Under the new covenant, we are to give ourselves to the restoration and cleansing of the temple of God individually and corporately in the church. The glory of God emanating from a restored church is not the result of human ingenuity, but rather the renewing ministry of the Holy Spirit. Think about that. He always takes the path of least resistance. Because God, everybody, you know, listen to me. It's not that he doesn't want you to get credit for it. He said if you humble yourself, he will exalt you in due time. He wants to praise you. He wants to send adorations to you. Do you know the real reason why he wants you to stop trying to make something happen? Because he's got this. He loves you. It's not because he's like, you need to stop. You're trying to take credit for this and be prideful. <laughs> he's like, look, if you would just quit, I got this. I got this. That's what the Lord says. Quit. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, said the Lord. I'm going to say this, and then we'll go to number two. I've had people come in to my office. I'd have people say this over the phone. I've had people sit in my living room and say this. I can't do this anymore. I'm at my wit's end. No matter what I do, it doesn't change anything. Great! You are in a great place. Am I right? You are in a great place. And they're like, why are you, why are you smiling and happy? Because you've reached the end of yourself. And Paul said, when I die, when I reach the end of myself, that's when the power of God flows through me. So just go on and pull the, pull the spiritual knife out and just kill yourself. Just die to yourself. That's when the power of God begins to be unleashed in our life is when we quit trying to make stuff happen and just let it happen. I can't do it no more. Good. I'm glad you finally got that memo. Get a t-shirt. We should get t-shirts made. Seriously, this is a good idea, and I get credit for it if y'all do it. We should get t-shirts made that says, I can't do this anymore, and somebody crying. And then on the back, we put Zechariah 4.6, not by might, nor by power. Wouldn't that stir up some conversation? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Oh, you talking about this? Yeah, now this is where I live, right here. Not by might. Say that with me. Not by might, nor by power, but by his spirit, says the Lord. Number two, let me tell you what I see in this passage in Luke. I see this. Just do what he says. It don't matter what you feel. It don't matter what's happened. I mean, Peter, Peter done said it. Listen to me. The sooner you realize that being honest with God ain't going to hurt his feelings, the better off you will be and me too. If there's anybody that you can whine and complain to, it would be God. That's what he wants. 
If there's anything that you got that you're frustrated about, take it to the Lord. He done said to the Lord, we done worked all night. I mean, that's pretty, you know, that's pretty close. Like, what do you, Lord Jesus, don't you know we've been here all, I've been trying to do this all in a mile. I can, we can't, we ain't caught nothing. And, but Peter had enough gumption. He had enough uh, maturity to snap his flesh and say, nevertheless, it's okay to say nevertheless. It's okay to cry and whine and do all that to the Lord in private. Lord, don't do it in public. I don't want to hear it. Anybody want to hear anybody else whine and raise your hand? No, I don't either. Don't do it in public. Do it in private. Go ahead and tell the Lord because he already knows. Go on and say it. But do what Jesus did. Lord, if there's any other way, let this cup pass before me. Nevertheless. Don't forget when you, you know, go on and cry. Get you a box of tissue. Go in your prayer closet. Shut the door and just have yourself a squalling fit. And when you get done, nevertheless, I will do what you tell me to do. Because that's where provision comes. It comes through obedience. Maybe, okay, maybe the reason why you are not experiencing faithfulness in your marriage with your wife or your husband is because you're not being obedient to what he has already said and written. Husbands, love your wives. Now listen to me. This ain't a marriage conversation. I'm just telling you what the Lord downloaded to me. It's on my notes. I'm just going to read it to you. So please don't. Husbands, love your wives and, 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 and love them just like Christ gave himself for her, right? Listen, don't look at me. Look at yourself because I'm talking to myself too. So don't, don't look at me in that tone of voice. Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. And all the wives are just, I'm going to read my Bible. Ephesians 5.33, nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. You ready? And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Husbands, all your wife, all our wives want us to do is love them. What does that mean? Well, how did God love us? God demonstrated his own love for us. How? He gave his life. Even while we were arguing and fussing at him, he gave his life. He gave his life. What she does ain't got nothing to do with you. I need to say that again. That was good. What she does has nothing to do with your response to her. How you should respond to her has nothing to do with what she does. Nothing. Everybody say nothing. All the husbands said nothing. It don't matter. You ain't called. You ain't called to do that. You're called to love her and lead her. Let me tell you something. She'll follow you if you love her. She ain't going to follow you if you beat her. I don't mean physically. I mean, I do mean physically, but I'm saying emotionally, mentally. Love her. Let me tell you something. You can't love nobody until you... I've heard people say you can't love nobody until you love the Lord. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with... I don't even agree. You can't love yourself. You want me to tell you why? Why do we love him? Because he first loved us. Until you realize and recognize and receive the love that he has for you, you can't love nobody else, not even yourself. 
Now, when you receive that love and you recognize that love, and it's a process, and you walk in that love, and then you start getting up in the morning and you say, I'm good looking. I'm blessed. I'm highly favored. I am a success. My, one of my instructors used to say, I am a success going somewhere to happen. Glory to God, I like that. I'm going somewhere to happen. It ain't happening to me. I'm going somewhere to happen. But it don't happen until you do it. So husbands, when you do that, then she'll follow you. Wives, okay, so I beat on the husbands a little bit. Let me, okay, wives, let me tell you the greatest need of your husband, aside from the obvious. Okay? The greatest need of your husband is respect. He wants his woman to respect him. Listen, whether he deserves it or not, that, it ain't what that says. He says, let the wife show respect. Maybe the reason why you're not seeing abundance in your finances is because you're not doing what he's already said in his word. See, you and I, uh, the world thinks that tithing, church is just all about to get your money. I don't care about your money. I'll be honest with you, I don't want your money. We as elders, we don't want your money. You know what we want? We want your heart. You know what God wants? He wants your heart. How do you know where your heart is? Pull up your checkbook. You see what it's about? It's not about, listen, God provides for us. I know it's probably crazy that some pastors say that, but I'm telling you, I remember Kenneth Copeland saying that. 35 years ago, I remember that. As a little boy, I remember him saying, listen to me, we're not after your money, we're after your heart. And I've told people, if you don't want to give, please don't give. Because the Bible says not to give grudgingly. It puts a curse on you. Because now, listen, that's good. Let me tell you why. Glory to God, I ain't never seen this before. Do you know why he don't want you to give grudgingly? Because if you give grudgingly, the enemy will use it against you to put something between you and God, and he never wants that. He don't want your money. He wants your heart. And he says don't give grudgingly because it's not about your money. It's about your heart. And so when you get your heart to the place where you realize and recognize that he's the Lord of your life and you love him, then you give, and that's when the blessing comes. He's after your heart. Why did provision come to Peter? Because he said, nevertheless, he was obedient. Provision comes when you remove yourself from the equation and you die to yourself. That's number one. When you quit trying to make it happen, that's when provision comes. The second way, the second thing that I see that you got, the next step to provision is you got to obey what he said. You got to obey what he has said, and you got to obey what he has already said. Let me ask you this. What's the Lord been telling you that you ain't been doing? James says, be ye a doer of the word, deceiving Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. So you got to lay something down. 
and receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word of God and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. I'm going to say something because I think it needs to be said, but I want you to hear what I'm saying. The enemy can only deceive you two ways. Deception comes in because of ignorance, because you don't know. But the worst kind of deception is self-deception. When you know to do good and you don't do it, that's self-deception. The Bible says that Jesus said that if you know to do good and you don't do it to you, that's sin. To you, that's sin. So you may not have, uh, you may not have an issue with, I'm just going to use a materialistic example because, you know, you may not have an issue with um, spending, let's say, uh, $100 on a purse. Okay? I mean, $100 won't get you much in a purse anyway. All the women said, Amen. Okay, you may not have an issue with it, but somebody else, Granny Carol, may have no issues spending $1,000 on a purse. I'm not even going to use that example. <laughs> I pick on you enough. I ain't going to use that example. But she may have an issue with $1,000. Okay, so if she was to buy that purse, would she be sinning? Would she? Yeah, because she would be violating what she thinks. But now Granny Carol... Because, I, I mean, I don't know, I'm a little fuzzy. I don't know if I've seen it. But is there a verse in the Bible that says, Thou shalt not spendeth a thousand dollars on a purseth? No? You guys are going to Costa Rica. Oh, well, a thousand dollars, that's extravagant. Those kids over in Costa Rica, they don't have any clothes. That's what y'all asking for is clothes. Uh, what else was it y'all asking for? School supplies? Games, toys. So to them, what we have is extravagant. It's all a matter of perspective. And what I'm trying to get you to see is that sin is a violation of light. The light that you have in your life, when you violate that light, you're sinning. Does that make sense? Okay. So when God tells you to do something and you don't do it, and you keep not doing it, you put yourself in a place of self-deception, and that's the most powerful deception that there is. Don't deceive yourself. Allow the Word of God. Be ye doers of the Word. What would have happened if Peter hadn't have done what he said to do? Come on, what would have happened? They made so much money off of that catch that they had to call people, their brothers, their other competitor companies to come out and help them, and they begin to sink. And you're going to tell me that money is an issue with God? It was such not an issue with God. That is so not grammar correct, but it's okay. 
is so, it was not, it is so much of a non-issue with God, can I say it like that, that Peter said, Lord, we've got to pay our taxes. And he said, all right, go out to the river and catch a fish, and there'll be enough for yours and my taxes. I want to go fishing in that lake. It's not, it's, not, it's not an issue. Everybody say it's not an issue. Which leads me to my third point. Are you ready? Peter, God's trying to get over to us the realization of a real catch. And he used a materialistic form of employment to demonstrate the real catch. We think the issue is fish. And he said, come follow me, and I'll make you fish as a man. Right. Oh, that's passion right there. I guarantee you Peter worked hard. I know he did. But he didn't work hard to do something. He worked hard because something needed to be done. Because there was something to do. Because he was passionate about the fish of men that God wanted him to catch. A lot of times God will use financial provision in your life to get your mind off of your problem and get it on to somebody else's. Dad Hagen, the late Kenneth E. Hagen, who was my father, one of my fathers in the faith, used to say this to us. The highest form of faith is believing God for somebody else's needs. You can't believe God for somebody else's needs if your needs aren't met. Listen, guys. What we think and what we see and what we, uh, uh, I'm getting way ahead of myself because I'm, I'm getting ready to launch a series in the fall in, in August or September, and I'm going to call it Life, Money, and the Pursuit of Happiness. I'm going to tell you something. We've been lied about provision. We've been lied to about money by the, by the enemy. Money's not the issue. Just like sin wasn't the issue. He's trying to get our minds, our perspective off of our little bitty fishing problem and say, oh my God, this, they were astonished. They were amazed. I mean, Lord, this is a lot of fish. And he said, come follow me and I'll make you fish as a man. Get your eyes off of your fish and look out there at what God wants to do for the world. Let me close with this. Let me say this before we close. If you will make provision for him and focus on his business, he'll make provision for you and focus on your business. Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God. See, that's contrary. I got to work. I got to do. I got to save. I got to invest for retirement. I, I gotta, there's nothing wrong with that. But don't let that be your God. Don't let that be your focus. You focus on the kingdom of God. The Lord says, give it, give it. Lord, we've been toiling all night to save this money. Lord said, give it. You better give it. You better be obedient because the net breaking, sink, shipping provision is relying on that little $50 you got in your wallet. You know what I'm talking about. What is it that you're holding on to? I'll get it in a minute. What is it that you're holding on to? Lord, we toiled all night. The Lord says, if you trust me, I got provision for you. He's after your heart. He's after our heart. You focus on his business. Casey, you keep focusing on his business, and he'll keep focusing on your business like he's been doing. That's the word of the Lord.
because you've been diligent and you've been dedicated to focus on his business. But sharpen your focus. Get more serious about it, and he'll take care of all that. Langston and Inez, you focus on what God's called you to do, and he will take care of everything else. You focus on his business, and he'll focus on it. Lawrence and April, you focus, we focus on his business, he will focus on our business. Bill, Carol, you focus on him and his kingdom, and he will unleash a legion of angels to focus on your business. Evan, you focus on what God's called you to do. You make that your top priority. And don't you turn loose of it, and he'll take care of it. Anybody else want to get that word? All of you. You focus on the kingdom of God, and he will take care of you. Let me say this. This was the third time that Jesus had approached Peter. The third time. The third time's a charm. And at that time, he had been demonstrated his grace and his goodness, and Peter was like, I'm all in now. They sold their business, and they followed him. And then they tried to go back. Listen, this is, let, let, let me close with this, because I'm going to get to that. Let me close with this. Number one, the path of least resistance is a profitable one. Everybody say profitable. They had the catch of their life. Anytime you step out and you obey what God's telling you to do, provision is there. It will always be there. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. Well, I obeyed the Lord and it didn't happen. That ain't true. Either something, you, either you missed something or you ain't held on long enough. We, th- we got this instant mentality. We got this drive-through mentality in the kingdom of God. Oh, I got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. I drive through and I want It don't work that way. Number two, the path of least resistance is powerful. Everybody say powerful. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For who? Who what? I mean, how much effort does it take to believe? For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, in what? In the gospel? For in it, in what? The believing system. When you believe, for in that belief system is the righteousness of God and it is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by what they believe. Listen to me. Faith is not the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's what faith does. Faith is a firm persuasion. It is a belief system. And it is that belief system. It is that belief system. So you ready? The just shall live by their belief systems, which are based upon the Word of God. You base your life upon the Word of God, and that living will justify you in everything. You don't have to justify yourself. You don't have to explain yourself. It will justify and show forth the goodness of God to everyone that looks at you. And number three and last, understand that the path of least resistance is a process. Everybody say process. process. I was talking with somebody before service and we were talking about some things and she said, I don't understand, I don't know, and I said, I don't either. 
But what I do know is it's a process. And for some people, it takes a lot longer of a process than others. I don't know why that is. Some of you are more hard-headed than us. I'm hard-headed. I've always been that way. But I quit, I quit saying that because I don't want to be hard-headed no more. The Bible says that he gives more grace to the, to the unhard-headed. I'm, I, that's a process for me. It's a process for me. I'm being transparent with you. I have to die to what I want. Even though what I think I want is good for everybody, my family and other, it's good, but I still have to die to what I want, and that's a process. And sometimes I like that process, and sometimes I don't like that process. Right, Haley? Right, honey? I don't like that process sometimes. Listen, I don't need you to tell me what I need to do. I know what I need to do. I don't need you to tell me. You see what I'm saying? It's a process that we died. It's a process. Peter went through a process. The prodigal son went through a process. You're going through a process. Here's what we need to do. We need to extend grace during that process. He sure did. Extend grace. It is not your job to be the sin police. It is not your job to be the confession police. It is your job to speak the truth in love through relationship. So, the path of least resistance is profitable, it's powerful. And it's a process. Romans 12, 2. This is the word I was praying over you. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Everybody say transformed. By the renewing of your what? Spirit. You know, it's funny because the Bible don't talk about saving your spirit. It just talks about giving you a new spirit. You're reborn. And now your spirit has the Spirit of God living in it. It doesn't talk about your mind being healed. It talks about your mind being renewed. Your body's healed. Your mind's renewed. Your spirit is alive unto God. You can never do anything else. You can't do anything to refute. To You cannot do anything to make God love you any more or any less than He loves you right now, Inez. Now, you can do something to cut off the flow of that love from your end. But even in that, God still, he doesn't cheat the system because he created it. But grace and mercy goes around sometimes. You ever see people who just, you know, oh my God, they're they're so wrong. Everybody in the room knows what I'm talking about. I mean, they're just sinning. I can't believe that. And it's like they get a job and they get a new truck and they get blessed. And it's like, why? Because God loves them just like he loves you. He does. Stand with me. The path of least resistance. Hallelujah. What is it that you've been... Listen, you ain't got to be resistant. Me and, uh, me and my wife, April, were talking yesterday. 
And we were going through the, okay, has the Lord told us to do something that we're not doing? And sometimes you always, you build in yourself a consciousness of, well, I must have disobeyed. And I looked at her and I said, no. And she said, no. I don't, well then, what, now what? We're not de- being disobedient, so what? So we keep our hands to the plow, we keep standing on the word of God, and do not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season, could you see the farmer, we live around a bunch of farmers, could you see how funny that would be to see a farmer standing out there and, like you said, throwing a temper tantrum in the middle of a field that's got dirt everywhere, and you go, sir, are you all right? Man, I planted this seed yesterday and nothing's come up. Well, that's foolishness. Well, you can't think that you're going to grab a hold of the Word of God today and produce a hundredfold crop tomorrow. I mean, it's possible, and in the end times it is, but you've got to understand that this is a process, and you'll begin to see, and you'll begin to feel things in your life changing, and you'll begin to see things around you changing. Give it time. Because what... This is what I heard the Lord. This is what I hear. This is what I feel like I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying. Because you've been trying to do it your way for so long, I mean, why not change it up a little? It's not working. What you and I have done, what you find yourself in a place where something's not working, then just stop and back up and say, This morning, I'll give you a prime example. This morning, with praise and worship. Yeah, ain't we? It wasn't working in the sense, not because y'all weren't performing, not because y'all weren't doing what y'all need to do, but because we, just like everybody else, get stuck in a rut. And so what did the pastor do? Man, don't go to that church in New Covenant. The pastor makes you get out of the seat and come up to the front. Well, then you can go find another church. But t- you're going to leave here and you're going to say, man, that was good. I, I got blessed. Why? Because we're, we're, we're getting outside of our comfort zone. We're being obedient. All I did this morning was through prayer, just endeavor to be obedient to what the Spirit of the Lord showed me yesterday and this morning and while we were in service. Lord, we're just following you. All right, this seems right. Let's, everybody, you know, crisscross applesauce. Let's sit down on the ground and crisscross applesauce and let's pray. I mean, I, whatever the Lord says to do, we need to do it. Because in the midst of Him telling us to do it, if we'll be obedient, then what will happen? We'll catch the fish of a lifetime. Bow your heads. Let's just go to the Lord. Lord, Father, we thank you. In the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for what you've done this morning. The path of least resistance is where the Holy Spirit lives and moves and flows. The path of least resistance. So I'm going to ask you this morning, what what path have you created in your life? And are you allowing the Holy Spirit to flow in your life? And some of you, maybe in here, have never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Well, what does that mean? That means you turn the, that means you take the barriers away and you say, Lord, I want you to flow in my life. So I finally get to the place. The song that we sang, I lay it all down. That's lordship. You lay it all down. Anybody in here fit that description? You want to you lay your life down to the Lord this morning? Anybody? 
All right? Now look at me. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to all commit together. We're going to hold hands and we're going to pray together and we're going to commit to the Lord that we will die to ourselves, let go of what we want to do, we will be obedient to what the Lord wants to do, and we will endeavor to let Him give us a bigger fish picture of the world. Can we do that? Come on, let's all stretch across the aisle and grab hands with each other. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Just grab hands. Make sure you got somebody on your left and your right. We're just holding hands together, right? Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, come on, let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you. And we thank you, Lord, for your provision. We thank you for your son. We thank you for giving us everything that pertains to life and godliness. And we say this morning that just like Peter, nevertheless, nevertheless, Lord, help us to get the picture of work out of our mind. We don't want to work hard to do something. We want to just work hard because there's something to do. We want to live our lives because of passion, not performance. We want to live our lives because we have a purpose, not a product. Father, we want to live our lives just to fulfill your call for our life and be about the kingdom business. Father, we want to be in the family business. We want to be in the kingdom. And so we, we decide this morning, today, that we sell everything we got figuratively or in the natural. And we give everything we got to you. We lay it all down and we follow you. And we, and, and we know that when we do that, we're being obedient. And because we're being obedient, you're trying to get us to the place where we see a bigger picture. And the bigger picture is the world. We lay it all down. We give it to you in the name of Jesus. And everybody said? Amen. amen, amen. Well, listen, why don't you hug everybody's neck. Tell them you love them. Tell them you're glad to see them. Prophesy over them. And we'll see you next week.